BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this episode of Storm Stories, a blizzard triggers catastrophic flooding across an entire state. This is absolutely the worst weather conditions I've seen in my career. It looked like it had been hit by an ice bomb. I was like, well, if I don't freeze to death, falling from here will definitely do the trick. And a brutal winter storm threatens to sink a luxury cruise ship. I thought it's going to capsize. You are at the mercy of that tumultuous ocean. It was obvious that we were dead in the water. Then the captain said, we have declared a mayday. Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. A powerful winter storm that resembles a hurricane roars to life over the Great Plains. It almost looks like a tropical, right? The way it's all uh, spiraled like that, but it's big, it's broad, it's got a huge wind field. Nebraska is caught right in the storm's crosshairs. Parts of the state received record-breaking snowfall in February. Now it's being bombarded with even more as well as freezing rain and winds gusting over 80 miles an hour. Even the sustained winds here are well above tropical storm force. This is like being in a hurricane, but instead of being in Miami, we are in southwest Nebraska. The town of Spencer, Nebraska, near the border with South Dakota, is being hit with some of the worst of the storm. Scott Angel's family has lived and run a saloon in the area for more than half a century. We had never seen weather like this before. We had this 8, 10 inches of snow, followed by the rainstorm. The rain begins to melt the snow, but the water has nowhere to go. It was one of the coldest winters we'd had. The ground was just impenetrable. It was frozen as hard as it could be. The nearby Niobrara River is already high after one of the wettest fall and winter periods on record. Now all that runoff that can't soak into the ground is rushing into the icy river. These large amounts of water lifted that ice and caused them to begin to tumble and go down the river until it became a, a massive wall of water. Thursday morning, March 14th. A barrage of water and ice is heading straight for the 92-year-old Spencer Dam. The constant battering soon decimates it. The powerhouse looked like it had been shelled by artillery. The gates on the dam were missing and gone. It didn't just overwhelm that dam, it destroyed it. A 10-foot wave surges into the valley below the dam. Monitoring the disaster 230 miles away in Lincoln, Bob Swanson at the U.S. Geological Survey 
has never seen anything like it. It's not just water, it's chunks of ice anywhere from the size of a basketball to an SUV. It'll pulverize trees, it'll tear roads apart, pummel bridges. It was a very dangerous situation for anybody in that valley. River stream gauges, which measure water flow on the Niobrara, are at unprecedented levels. I heard a, holy crap. <laughs> it's gone straight up. We're estimating about 123,000 cubic feet per second. And the previous peak was around 39,000. That was just the start of it. Severe flooding hits the rest of the state as well. Water and ice surge over riverbanks into farm fields, rush into houses, and swamp entire towns. Nebraska National Guard helicopters are immediately deployed on rescue missions. This is absolutely the worst weather conditions I've seen from a natural disaster in my career. You could see ball fields with just the lights sticking out of the top, flooded homes, and roofs sticking out of water. In the town of Fremont, Nebraska, 50 miles north of Lincoln, nonstop calls come into the volunteer fire department for flood-related rescues. It was just mass inundation. They just kept calling, hey, we need out, hey, we need out. We'd never seen anything like this before. Around 4 p.m., a family living near the Elkhorn River calls in a panic. They were saying that their basement walls were caving in, and they had a child, and they wanted to get out. The station dispatches a truck, but the firefighters quickly realize they won't be able to reach the house. If they could get to a road that wasn't completely washed out, it might have ice cakes the size of an SUV sitting on them, and they couldn't go any further. So the fire department secures two airboats and drops them into the floodwaters near the river, about two miles from the house. We got in the airboats, and it looked like it was going to be a pretty straightforward operation. The first mile went very well. Everything was going as planned. I thought we could pull the rescue off. But after we crossed County Road 28, the conditions just went bad. The conditions just changed so drastically that there was no time to even react. There was two to three foot white caps. The first boat sunk almost in place. And my boat that I was on, it started taking on water. And as that water shifted, the boat started to pitch. We attempted to counterbalance it, and it threw us in the water like rag dolls. The second rescue boat capsizes and also sinks. It just happened so quick. We had seven rescuers in the water. As soon as that 37-degree water hit your face, it was pretty shocking, and I was up to my chest. I was neck deep for a couple of those guys. It was moving pretty rapidly, and there was a lot of debris coming down. I watched, you know, chunks of ice 12 inches thick go by with fence posts sticking out of them. We were in a bad situation pretty quick. After I kind of got myself together, I was able to get my feet kind of buried down in the rootstocks of the cornfield we were in and keep myself from drifting away. Luckily, everyone else can stand too. They hold onto the capsized airboats to secure themselves took a head count and everybody was accounted for, thank goodness. We made a radio call to our lieutenant and told him that both boats were sunk and all rescuers were in the water at that time. 
I was looking for any way out of there, but the current was so violent, you couldn't fight it. It was just too much. The gravity of the situation kind of set in that we have nowhere to go. Everybody out there thought it. This is life and death. This is dangerous, real dangerous. The thought crossed our mind that, hey, we might, we might not get out of this one. Back in Spencer, Nebraska, Scott Angel gets the news of the dam break and heads out to check on his 71-year-old brother, Kenny, who lives in the valley downstream from the dam. He knows Kenny's wife is out of town and his brother is home alone. When I got to the bottom of the hill, I realized that the house was completely gone and every man-made structure in the valley was completely gone as well. There was a river roaring through the valley from one bank to the other, which is about a half a mile wide. Kenny's house is gone, along with the family bar, a popular biker hangout, which operated on the property for more than half a century. To see that was devastating. It was the destruction of everything our family had worked for the last 50 years. But the immediate thought at that point was, where is Kenny? This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In March 2019, after being hit with a pulverizing late winter storm, Nebraska is facing unprecedented flooding. It seems as if the entire state is underwater. The water rose very quickly. It was totally unexpected. It was such a large scale event that the state has never experienced before. 
In northern Nebraska, the Spencer Dam on the Niobrara River is demolished by raging floodwaters that include ice blocks the size of cars. The Spencer Dam and all the land directly below it looked like it had been hit by an ice bomb. All of the trees were gone. All of our structures were gone. Scott Angel's older brother, Kenny, lives in the house next to their family's biker bar in the valley below the dam. Both have been washed away. The immediate thought was, where is Kenny? Scott learns that before the collapse, workers from the dam had warned Kenny about the impending breach. They stopped at my brother's house to let him know that there was issues with the dam. The employees of the dam told me that Kenny knew that there was a problem and he was going to leave. 10 minutes later, the damage was all done. No one knows for sure whether Kenny made it out of his house before the water hit the valley. That began an immediate search, but it was so difficult to search because the river was roaring through there. We didn't even know where to begin at that point. We utilized ground forces. We had helicopters, airplanes, cadaver dogs. There were ice fields that were a quarter mile wide and a mile long, and scattered in throughout that was debris. Scott and his family cannot find a single trace of Kenny, but they keep on searching. Throughout Nebraska, search and rescue missions are underway. Staff Sergeant Lawrence Lynn, a flight medic with the Nebraska National Guard, is based in Lincoln. All right, you guys good? He and a team have been sent out in a helicopter to save stranded residents. The local population was in extreme danger. You couldn't fly. 30 seconds without seeing somebody else that needed help. And the only, only way they could get out was by helicopter. Every time I got lowered down to a roof, everybody was standing there looking in complete disbelief. Natural disasters don't happen in Nebraska like this. Civilians aren't the only ones endangered by the flood. 50 miles north of Lincoln, outside Fremont, Nebraska, near the Elkhorn River, a pair of firefighter rescue boats have just capsized in the middle of an ice-cold flood. Water everywhere, just as far as you can see. We have nowhere to go. We were hanging onto the boats, hoping that they had a plan for us or have somebody that could come get us. At that very moment, Staff Sergeant Lind has just finished a helicopter rescue when he receives an urgent message. I got a text message from the Joint Operations Center. They said, need assets to Fremont, Nebraska. We have seven firefighters, boats capsized in the water. They need desperate help. We typed in the grid location into the GPS, and the GPS said we had 63 miles to go. We were low on fuel to begin with. We'd been out rescuing people for about two hours at this point in time, but we were the only option to go. I told the pilot, I said, hey, we have to go rescue these people right now. Those guys were in a life and death situation. If firefighters are calling for help, that means there's nobody else to help them. We saw it as a no-fail mission. As the sun goes down, hypothermia is beginning to set in with some of the firefighters. Well, our suits are probably good for about 30 to 45 minutes of being in the water. We had been in the water for approximately an hour. 
I was starting to shiver really violently, so I know I'm, I'm working my way downhill, that I'm not getting any warmer. We were thinking about that uh, this wasn't going to be a good ending. And then all of a sudden you hear this real distinct Blackhawk sound coming in real low, and it just came in there you know, as our savior. One of the stranded firefighters shoots this video as the National Guard chopper approaches them. Seeing the helicopter coming, it's like, huh, uh, we're going home. But both the firefighters and Staff Sergeant Lind instantly realize the helicopter may not be able to reach the men. They were directly underneath power lines, and helicopters and power lines don't mix very well. There's also a howling wind that makes it difficult to steady the chopper. Not to mention, the helicopter is running dangerously low on fuel. You start thinking, wow, I, I hope they can pull this off. The National Guard flies 50 feet away from the power lines as the firemen wade over to the helicopter. Instead of sending somebody down, we went ahead and sent down the pendant, the rescue seat, on the hoist of the helicopter, hoping that they would figure it out that, hey, this is your way out of here. The firefighters desperately try to grab the rescue line. You're trying to reach for this cable that's about a quarter inch big, and you got waves hitting you, and you can't really stay in one spot. The men are finally able to grab the cable and begin taking turns being hoisted into the air. It was a very dangerous hoist. We had rescuers who were on the verge of hypothermia trying to hold on to a small cable and make it 70 feet up to the helicopter. We held our breath collectively that they wouldn't fall off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. March 14, 2019. A National Guard helicopter is trying to rescue seven firefighters stranded in freezing floodwaters outside Fremont, Nebraska. We knew that given the low fuel that we had on board, that we only had a limited amount of time to conduct this rescue. And we knew that they didn't have long to hold on. But there's a major problem. We were in 40 to 50 mile an hour winds trying to hover a helicopter within 50 feet of power lines. Staff Sergeant Lawrence Lind sends a rescue seat down to the men 
before hoisting them 70 feet into the chopper. When I was on the cable, I looked down, I was like, well, if, if I don't freeze to death, falling from here will definitely do the trick. It was just danger after danger. As soon as they got to the helicopter, I'd pull them in, and I would just hold on to those guys so that they wouldn't get up and roll over or fall out of that door. I kept asking the pilots, how are we doing on gas? And they'd say, keep hoisting. And then before I knew it, the head count was at seven in the back of the helicopter. I just felt so happy to be alive and so grateful. Minutes later, the helicopter lands safely at the Fremont Airport. They immediately swarmed all these guys, undressed them, got them in the back of the ambulances. Everybody got IVs. They put us in some big blankets that had heat pumped into them and took us to the hospital. We sat on the edge of the helicopter and we got fuel and we went immediately back out and went to go rescue more people. Over the next few days, the National Guard rescues hundreds of stranded Nebraskans. And people aren't the only ones they save from the flood. Not only were people affected, we had a lot of cattle cut off and were unable to be fed by their farmers. This is a, a major industry and people's livelihoods. So we flew Chinook helicopters and loaded large 2,000-pound round bales of hay and flew them out to the middle of nowhere to stranded cattle and dumped it off the back of the helicopters so that those cows could eat. The Guard calls the mission Operation Prairie Hay Drop. The mission was very successful. We delivered 109 bales of hay total by helicopter. The floods caused $1.3 billion in damages in Nebraska alone and claim the lives of at least three victims. Included in that total, 71-year-old Vietnam vet, Kenny Angel. His body is never recovered, though his brother Scott continues his search to this day. Kenny's loss has been devastating to the Angel family, there's no doubt about it. Ultimately, we would like to find Kenny's body to put some final closure for his wife, Linda, and the rest of the family. On the property where Kenny's house once stood, Scott and his family erect a flagpole in his honor. There is a U.S. flag placed on it, as well as a POWMIA flag. Kenny was a medic in the 101st Airborne in Vietnam, and those flags help us in the community to memorialize him. Because of Kenny, I know several people, myself included, who are attempting to maybe live our lives a little bit more fuller. Back in Fremont, firefighter Nick Morris has also learned a lesson from the disaster. I'm a religious man, and apparently God's got more work for me to do. Today, Nick and fellow fireman Rich Osterloh meet their rescuers for the first time since that harrowing night. Those guys saved us. Absolutely. I'm not used to being the, the rescuee. I'm used to being the rescuer, but these guys, they mean something special to me. And to see you guys show up, I'll never forget that <laughs> You see that spotlight up there? It's like, uh, we're going home. This is good. They're our heroes. We wouldn't probably be here if it wasn't for them. Amazing to see you guys again. Our families are forever grateful. I don't consider myself a hero at all. I, I did my job. 
helping somebody else that needed help. And in the end, that's how this flood will be defined, not by tragedy or disaster, but by the way Nebraskans came together to help each other through their moment of greatest need. I wouldn't put the will of a Nebraskan behind anybody. People really did come together. Yeah, it's just what we do here in Nebraska. We're known for being a strong, hard-willed state, and we get the job done no matter what it is. Coming up, a cruise ship trapped in a vicious winter cyclone. People were crying, moaning, and hyperventilating. I wasn't sure that I'd see my family again, our kids and grandchildren. It was obvious that we were dead in the water. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. March 14th, 2019. The cruise ship Viking Sky embarks from Bergen, Norway, a popular port on the country's southwestern coast, headed to the Arctic Circle. Among the 915 passengers, Peter and Don Sherman from the San Francisco Bay Area, who are celebrating their 38th anniversary. My ancestors are from Norway, so that was the impetus for our trip. She had a keen interest to see what kind of surroundings her ancestors were from. And I thought, well, if we go close enough to winter, we could see the northern lights. Also on board from the Bay Area, Alexis Shepard, a retired dentist, and her wife, Debbie. The first part of the cruise just went wonderful. The food was very good. The service was very good. The ship itself was wonderful. Fellow passengers Alan and Susan Dahlberg agree. The weather was beautiful, the seas were calm, the ports were interesting. When the ship reaches the northernmost tip of Norway, passengers are rewarded with a light show in the sky. We did see the northern lights, and they were beautiful. It was amazing, beautiful. It was quite an experience. After a week at sea, the Viking Sky cruises toward its final stop in London. But as they head south, they're sailing directly into a sprawling wave of low pressure between Iceland and Norway that's rapidly intensifying. The North Atlantic storm track can be very, very active. So if you are sailing the North Atlantic any time in the winter, you know that you are prone to running up against some powerful wintertime storms. From the Weather Channel headquarters, hurricane expert Dr. Rick Nabb is keeping an eye on the fast-developing North Atlantic storm. 
Over the next 48 hours, he watches it expand at an alarming rate. It strengthened up to a hurricane force, non-tropical storm. But the storm was not only intense, it was large. And the larger a storm is, the more able it is to push the ocean around. The winter storm now resembles a hurricane with wind gusts up to 70 miles an hour. The main problem with a large, intense North Atlantic winter storm is how much wave action it can produce. Waves that can be 20, 30, 40, 50 feet high. Friday, March 22nd, the outer bands of the cyclone hit the Viking sky. The ship started moving a little bit more than it had been, and it got rougher over that Friday night. You could begin to feel a movement of the boat as it was rising and falling with the heavy sea. And occasionally, the boat would slam down after it crested a wave and make quite a loud noise through the whole boat. The rocking of the boat was actually progressively getting worse. I, at one point, felt the ship roll to the one side, and it seemed as if the ship got hit by a second wave from that same side before it had a chance to recover. And I think that's the first time that my eyes got big. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a little bit more serious than what I wanted to believe. By the next morning, the Viking sky is sailing through swells as high as 60 feet. The ship begins to list back and forth violently. Then things really started rocking and rolling. <laughs> crash, water everywhere, crash, glass everywhere. Back and forth, back and forth, things kept breaking and falling. It was becoming obvious that things are becoming more chaotic. It was very, very rocky. And all of a sudden, it got so rough that Peter was thrown from his chair into a wall with the table on top of it, just All hell broke loose. All the bottles in the bar slid off onto the floor. All the glassware and the plates are crashing. We said, let's go back to our stateroom. And you're trying to walk on a floor that's pitching 65 degrees this way, and then pitching 65 degrees the other way. My hands were shaking at this point because it was so rough. For Alexis Shepard, stormy seas are more familiar than for most passengers. She's a licensed yacht captain. Basically, what that means is I can handle yachts up to 50 tons. So we're very much used to being on the water, being on the ocean. Because the waves were building, the furniture is beginning to move. I just thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. We are on a ship, and we have to tie things down on our boat whenever we're at sea so that things don't move around. And then it just started getting worse. People were starting to fall and, and be thrown around. The ceiling also starts falling down and actually hit some people. All of a sudden, it went from being entertaining to being, this is something rather serious. Be 
being a licensed ship captain, Alexis quickly figures out what code echo means. Code echo is what he was saying, and code echo means we are about to collide with another ship or we're about to run aground. And there were no other ships around, so that meant we were in danger of running aground. So things were getting dicey. I look out the window and I notice that we're not moving. The captain, he announced that we had lost power. And I'm thinking, why? Why did they lose power? What was, what's going on? The ship was listing. It lost oil suction because the oil tank was not completely full. And all the oil listed to one side, lost suction of oil, engine shut down, lost propulsion. The Viking Sky, a 47,000-ton vessel with the most sophisticated propulsion system available, is now adrift in the middle of a violent winter storm. Unable to control its direction, the ship is being pulled toward the rocky Norwegian coast. Once you lose propulsion, no matter how big your ship is, in a really strong storm with high waves, you are at the mercy of that tumultuous ocean and disaster can be what follows. It was obvious that we were dead in the water. We have no power and we have seas as rough as they are. You know what's gonna happen next? The power outage causes another dangerous problem. After the ship lost power, it was no longer stabilized. So it began to roll more and more dramatically, which turned the ship sideways to the waves. Then the general alarm sounded. The captain has ordered all passengers to move to their evacuation or muster stations. When that happened, it was a real moment of awakening because, oh my gosh, this is really, really serious. We looked at each other, said, oh my God, this is for real. Shortly after that, the captain came on the PA again and said, we have declared a mayday. March 14th, 2019, during a luxury cruise in Norway to the Arctic Circle, the Viking sky sails into a violent late winter storm with waves up to 60 feet high. It would extremely rock from one side, almost like 60 degrees, and then go back 60 degrees to the other side. And each time I thought it's gonna capsize. It would be so violent. Making matters worse, the ship's engines have failed. Adding to the danger is that it was near the coast of Norway where the coastline is very rocky. And so they were at grave danger of running aground or striking an underwater rock. That's really, really a big thing because if a ship runs aground, the ship would come apart. And that rocky part of the coastline is one of the most dangerous stretches in Norway, known for centuries as a shipyard cemetery where boats meet their doom. There's supposedly 200 ships that had sunk in that same area. 
The 915 passengers on Viking Sky are directed to pre-assigned muster stations throughout the ship. They're now handing out life jackets. People were nervous, of course. You could tell by the, the energy in the room and the way people were talking. Some people were crying and moaning and hyperventilating. Mayday basically is when the captain declares an all-out emergency. Mayday means the ship is in danger of sinking. This footage, shot from a nearby fishing boat, shows the Viking sky adrift in the brutal storm. Then, another alarming announcement. We heard the captain say, close the watertight doors. You don't normally close the watertight doors unless the ship already is taking on water. Our muster station was on the second floor, and it was surrounded by windows. When we got there, I could see a ship through the window, a big ship coming toward us. And I thought, oh, good, we're going to be rescued. But the ship Dawn sees isn't a tugboat. It's a freighter also caught in the dangerous waters. People were jumping off the freighter, and that freighter actually sunk. The same waves that sank the freighter are still crashing into the Viking sky. I see a huge wave coming at us, bigger than all the others. It stood at least 30 feet above where we were. It crashed through the ceiling, caving in the ceiling, and all of a sudden we're underwater. The muster station is flooded with six feet of frigid ocean water. All the other people were bobbing around, getting moved around in the water, and the boat was still pitching port to starboard, port to starboard. As the ship rolls in the other direction, the water recedes. Dawn wants to flee the restaurant before the ship and the water tilt back, but she can't move. My leg was caught under tables or chairs or something, so it was totally frightening. And the ship started listing back, and I saw a man who was above me, and I said, help me. The passenger lifts the table and frees Dawn's leg. I saw my wife, and I waded over to where she was, and we started moving out of that room. Peter and Don escaped to another muster station. Both have been injured. When the ceiling crashed, it slashed my face, and so I had these uh, scratches across my face and was bleeding. Don had a cut on her leg a puncture wound. The doctor told me that you need stitches, but we can't do them right now because one, it was so rough, and second, there were other people who were injured too. As passengers await further instructions, a frightening reality sets in. The stormy seas are so rough that lifeboats are not an option. There was no way they could have launched the lifeboats. As soon as they hit the water, they would have been submerged by large waves. And we knew that we couldn't just go out in our life jackets into the seas because we'd last 10 minutes in the Arctic waters. And then there was an announcement over the loudspeaker that said helicopters were on their way to rescue us. 30 minutes later, rescue helicopters begin airlifting 915 passengers off the foundering ship. But the choppers can only take 20 passengers at a time. 
we probably were among the first 100 to be taken off. We were hooked to a cable together, and the two of us were lifted at the same time into the helicopter. Peter and Don Sherman hope their names will be called to evacuate before the ship runs aground. It was very, very rough. I wasn't sure that I'd see my family again, our kids and grandchildren. I prayed more than I have in a long time, and I just really wanted to get off the ship. March 2019, off the coast of Norway, the Viking sky is fighting to stay afloat. 60-foot waves are pounding the cruise ship toward the rocky shore, only 300 feet away. Some people were calling their relatives to say goodbye. And because the ship was in such dangerous ocean, they couldn't use the lifeboats. The only way to get people off was by helicopter. Rescue choppers begin plucking the 915 passengers off the deck in ones and twos. After waiting 13 hours, it's now Peter and Don Sherman's turn. They came and tapped us on the shoulder, and they took us from that muster station up to the top deck. I became apprehensive, to say the least. The wind is still howling and it's raining, and it's freezing. And all I'm wearing is a thin sweater and a life jacket and a pair of wet jeans. There were two Coast Guardsmen. They secured the harness around me. Then the fella said, hold on tight, here. I held on, poof, you're on your way. You're dangling over the water. I thought that it would be more of a secure, hook up, you know, to be hoisted up over the black roiling sea. And at that point, it, it occurred to me, if the harness slipped out, we were dead in the water. Let's just say that that's a bucket list item that I'm not gonna do again. I'd never been in a helicopter before. I don't think I ever wanna do it again, especially getting on board in that manner. 15 minutes later, Peter and Dawn are on the ground in Molda, a city on the west coast of Norway. We were taken to a, a huge, it was a sports facility. They had turned it into a Red Cross area. I was seen by the medic right away. After the couple regains their composure, they're loaded onto a bus to be taken to a hotel. As the bus would go through roundabouts and pitch to the right and to the left, it was eerily reminiscent of being on the boat. I would jump. Our nerves were quite raw. Back on the Viking sky, choppers continue their airlifts. But Alexis Shepard and her wife, Debbie, have yet to have their names called. It seemed that they weren't taking people from our muster station. And so we wondered, why aren't they selecting us to get evacuated? It was literally hours and hours of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. To keep her mind off the dire situation, Alexis updates her Twitter page, which goes viral around the world. 
11.01 p.m. About 350 people have been evacuated by helicopter so far. Hashtag Viking Sky, hashtag Mayday. 12 a.m. We're still on the ship and may be heading towards a nearby port. 15 minutes after that tweet, the captain makes an announcement that's a huge relief. 12.15 a.m. Update. The tugs are attached and we're about to turn towards the nearest port. Rescue tugboats have finally been able to attach themselves to the Viking sky. They begin to tow the disabled ship out of the dangerous waters. 10 hours later, the cruise ship safely docks. The entire town of Molda rallies behind the nerve-rattled passengers. From the moment we were rescued till the moment we left Norway, we felt that everybody was so wonderful and kind to us. There's a word called dugnad, a Norwegian word. It's just what they do. They come out, they help people, they provide food, clothing, housing, whatever's needed. Viking releases a statement that says, throughout all of this, our first priority was for the safety and well-being of our passengers and our crew. They say that's why only 20 passengers were taken to hospitals with injuries. This was very close to being the worst modern era cruise ship disaster that we've ever seen. I still get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up thinking about what almost happened. 900 passengers nearly 500 crew members, and they all could have died. After the cruise, Peter and Don Sherman saw crisis counselors, but they say the traumatic experience only brought them closer together. Don and I celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary on the ship, and to this day still, we feel this closeness that we had not ever experienced before. We had had this rather monumental experience together and we relied on each other. We kept sight of each other and we helped each other. And it made us closer. And that was a good thing. For some of the other passengers, their next cruise is already on their calendars. Viking has been generous through this and we've got all our money back that we spent on that cruise. So we're using it to go complete our circumnavigation of South America and we're looking forward to that. People have often asked, after this event, will we ever go on a cruise again? And the answer is absolutely. In fact, we have another one scheduled with Viking next year. There's no such thing as a perfect ship. If you're going to go out and you're gonna live a full life, there are going to be moments that things don't go as you planned, but that's part of the experience.